Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. My name is Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. And I'm Ross Oldenkamp, another evangelist. Today we continue our study of the life of Christ, going through the Sermon on the Mount. And we had gotten down in Matthew chapter 6 to verse 25. So let's pick up reading in verse 25 through 34. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they do not sow, they do not sow nor reap, nor gather crops into barns, and, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown to the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is a tough one, right? Do not worry. I mean, all of us at times have had trouble with worry. Sometimes it's uh, the challenge is trying to uh, get to the bottom of uh, what exactly is sinful and what is what is uh, what is acceptable. I mean, we have Paul saying, "Follow my example, imitate me." And we know that Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.13 says, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus. Just one of many examples. He talks of daily concern for the churches. And so somehow we need to differentiate between sinful worry and, uh, and good examples here. Seems to be an emphasis placed here upon not engaging in worry and anxiety over material things. A a person should not worry and be anxious about the accumulation of earthly treasures here on earth. I mean, the spiritual life is more important than the physical, the physical body more important than the clothes with which we adorn it. God cares for the birds of the air. He will care for us if we trust him and do our part. We are more precious in God's sight than the birds are. Anxiety and worry are useless because we cannot thus increase our stature at all. Anxiety over raiment or clothing is wrong. Since God makes the lilies and even the grass so much more beautiful than man can adorn himself, we should trust God to clothe us if we are full of faith. Yeah, just just a, a, a few things. I, I'm really struck by verse 25, how it starts out with, for this reason. Um, like you know, with what we were just talking about in the previous 
uh, installment and the, the verses prior about um, not serving two masters and storing up treasure in heaven. And you know, there's no need to be so concerned and focused on these treasures on earth and making sure everything's in line. It's certainly you know something that it's you don't walk around. Um, oh, I guess willy-nilly is the phrase that comes to mind, that you just, without a care in the world, there's certainly a care for those things, but it's not our master. It's not our entire focus. Not God's going to take care of us. And we see the, the, the examples there. I mean, the birds, I think it's just fascinating to think. He knows about the birds and what they're doing. And these are the same animals that fly into glass doors, right, <laughs> all the time. Do you do just, you know... Have just a bunch of silly things, but God feeds them. God takes care of them, and it's without a doubt we are much more important than they are. And um, again, with verse twenty-seven, that you know, worrying at the end of the day, it, it as Greg said, it, it doesn't profit anything. Um, a lot of times, what it does is you know pushes us further back, whether it's into procrastinating more um, and not a- acting on what you feel or denying it. Uh, denying being what you're anxious about in the first place, um, but it's it's about just understanding God's got it, and that's really what Jesus' point is, especially as we get to the latter part of these verses. Anxiety over earthly things, well, that's really the chief concern of the worldly, and the Christian, the follower of Jesus, needs to be different, and God knows our needs. So we shouldn't have to be anxious about him, but seek first doing his will, and he in turn will take care of us. Every day brings sufficient burdens and problems for our strength. Give yourselves to the doing of those things instead of worrying about the future. Yeah, You know, I, I, I see... At least four arguments against this, which is, first of all, verse 27, worry is ineffective. You cannot add a single hour to your life, so why would you worry about your life? It is, secondly, it is unreflective. That is, you just, you have failed to contemplate the implications of the care that even the birds have have received. And if you are so much more valuable than birds, then then you need to make that connection. God will take care of you. It's also, Jesus provides one very clearly in verse 30, you of little faith. It's also a, a sign of unfaithfulness. And fourthly, it's worldly. Even the Gentiles were, this is something the Gentiles will worry about. Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be worldly. And as a father... If I knew that my children were constantly worried about things that were my responsibility to provide, that that would I would take that very personally. That that would be hurtful to me that they didn't trust me to provide for them. Yeah, I love the example that Jesus uses in, in verse twenty nine. Um, oftentimes, when we think about Solomon, we think about his wisdom. He absolutely was a wise man, and um certainly what he when God gave him the opportunity to ask for anything he wanted, he asked for wisdom. And so there's certainly a good portion of study devoted to that. But also Solomon included in that was an extremely wealthy man. And you can imagine I mean at at the time of his life, you know, the access he had to likely every earthly material you can think of. I mean the best clothes that you could imagine. And yet it says that comparing that to the lilies of the field 
talking about that Solomon couldn't clothe himself like one of these lilies in the field. And it said, as verse 30, God clothes the grass which is here today and gone tomorrow. And how much more important we are than that. That He's going to clothe us. It's just an amazing thing that God takes care of such the things that we overlook. Um, You know, oftentimes we may see, whether it's the birds or the lilies, we just walk on by and may not even give them notice. But God notices them and takes care of them. And if he takes care of them, he's absolutely going to take care of his children. Well, that wraps up that particular section of the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll move on now into Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. I'll go ahead and read that. Judge not that you be not judged. Let me pause for a moment and say that's one of the most well-known passages of the Scripture that is to be found, often on the lips of those who don't really care much about the Lord Jesus. But he goes on and explains, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your own eye, and look, A plank is in your eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Here again, I think Jesus is laying down a general principle in the form of a universal prohibition. The principle is, of course, to be limited to other scriptural laws concerning judgment. It does not prohibit judgment by civil courts, which is apostolically approved. It doesn't prohibit judgment of the church on those who walk disorderly, because this is also ordered by Christ and his apostles. Matthew chapter 18 comes to mind. Private judgment As to wrongdoers, this also was ordered by Christ and his apostles. And we're going to see that when we get to verses 15 and 16 of this particular chapter. The commandment is leveled at rash, censorious, and uncharitable judgments. And that fault-finding spirit or disposition which condemns upon surmise without examination of the charges forgetful that we also shall stand in the judgment and shall need the mercy of God. Yeah, good. those are good words, Greg. Uh, the the censurious, uh, fault-finding attitude, is, I really latched onto that because I think that well describes the hypercritical kind of judgment that is discussed here. Um, notice the word in verse 4 that Jesus uses, the speck. I mean, we're talking about something really small here. You have to be really, you have to get in close and peer right into one's eyeball in order to see whether or not there's a speck. Um, and although this text doesn't deal with it, of course, one of the major reasons that this is so wrong is uh, because God is the judge. We, uh, when we make our, when we uh, judge others, James says we make ourselves out to be the lawgiver. 
yeah, a lot of times it can be very easy to see other people's mistakes and overlook our own. Um, and it's just important to understand that, you know, we're, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all um, struggle with different things. And that's not justifying from the standpoint of that we are able to still live in those things. That's, uh, we're human and we make mistakes. That's just the way it is. But it's a striving to make to, you know, to do our best, to stay away from that, to not make sin a habit, as First John 3 will talk about. Um, it's just very important to understand that they need mercy, they need Jesus just as much as, as you and me do. Let's skip on down now and look at verses 7 through 11. Ross, are you over there? Yes. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? It's imperative, don't you agree, that we keep this particular passage in its context. It is not a guarantee that everything we ask of God, every possible human desire, is going to be granted. And, and when you think about it, if we pause and think soberly about it, such a situation is not one that intelligent men and women would want anyhow. Uh, my dear friend Paul Earnhardt had this to say, and I, I think he just hit the nail right smack dab on the head. He said, The thought of being able to ask God for anything with the absolute assurance of receiving it would be a frightening one. Alex Moitier expresses it well. If it were the case that whatever we ask God was pledged to give, then I for one would never pray again because I would not have sufficient confidence in my own wisdom to ask God for anything. There are few of us who have not lived long enough to thank our Heavenly Father for prayers that went unanswered. I really think Paul hit the nail right on the head with that. You know, Jesus Jesus has set forth some lofty standards in the sermon thus far. And I guess lest anybody despair of ever enjoying the blessings of the kingdom because of those standards, Jesus makes it clear that they are available to all who come seeking them. That's an important point. The everyone Jesus mentions in verse 8 must be contextually understood to be the spiritually minded, humble man of the Beatitudes, for instance, who truly is seeking and searching to such a one, the blessings of the kingdom are promised. God will grant their prayers. By way of illustration, the Lord referred to an earthly father who willingly gives to his son the good things that he needs. Well, if an imperfect earthly father will do this, how much more will the perfect father in heaven give us what we need? Who knows how much God can do. It's beyond our full comprehension. He knows our every need before we do. 
and he will grant us our needs. You know, earlier up in chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so this is this is a recurring message. Um, contextually, as verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So here, twice in a very short span, he's spoken of seeking the kingdom of God and his Righteousness. So I do think context is important there. And uh, I don't think that he's talking about just uh, a blank check for any subject. I think we need to keep that focused on uh, prayer regarding seeking the kingdom. Prayer regarding God's righteousness. We're talking about one seeking God, knocking, knocking to find him. Uh, and uh, And God basically promising here that he will... He will answer that. You know, he will help you to find him. Uh, you might not know everything you need to know. He will help you find someone who can teach you. So uh, I think that's important to keep in mind. Let's go ahead and look at another very well-known particular passage. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, sometimes referred to as the golden rule. It says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. At the very core of the Old Testament teaching concerning relationships with others was Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, which according to the King James says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. What Jesus presented at this point in his sermon was not a new ethical teaching. It was something that had been included even under the old law. Followers of Jesus, we just have to treat others as we want to be treated ourselves. And it really is pretty simple and clear. In every circumstance, we must simply just ask ourselves, how would we like to be treated in a similar situation. To be able to do this, though, God must be the center and the focal point of our lives. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, summarizes the golden rule. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Yeah, so notice that the commandment is proactive and not reactive, which means uh, the, natural, the natural way of going about our interaction with others is I'm nice to those who are nice to me, and at the very best, indifferent to those who are uh, indifferent or not uh, not nice to me. This calls upon you to decide beforehand, how do you want to be treated? And then proactively, you know, before there's even any background to draw from, proactively go out and, and treat others that way. There's a passage in Exodus 22, 21 that says, you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, 
for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That, that calls upon the Israelites' behavior and draws from his personal experience as to the things that he has gone through. Their treatment of others should be informed by the things that they have experienced. And think about today, knowing, knowing how you want to be treated, knowing uh, you know, how men ought to be treated, how do we do that? Well, one of the ways to do that is to draw on our own life lessons. We know what it's like to be where a lot of people have been. And we know in those situations what we would have liked someone to do for us. He says, go out and do it. Yeah, I think there's certainly some that can take um, verse 12 and, and say, and try and twist it around saying, if a person's treating me poorly, that means they, that's how they want to be treated, so I'll treat them poorly. And you kind of try and flip it around to allow you to, to have this idea of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, which Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 in the same sermon. Um, and it, it's, it's, again, to the, as Ross said, the proactiveness, um, if that's even a word, of it is... Well, we're, our goal is we are going to treat them the way that we want to be treated, love them um, as a way we would, as we are loved by God, um, to the best of our abilities, regardless of what they did for us. I, I mean, Jesus loved us when we were dead in sin, when we, uh, you know, crucified Him, and so it's certainly uh, we should love and be willing to forgive others um, as well. I think that's a good place to wrap up this particular episode. Once again, we appreciate each one of you has been listening and encourage you to give us a contact us just by going to the website www.nkcofc.com. And there's all sorts of things available through the website, and we'd like to hear from you. Until the next time, then, thanks for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. <music>